seated. Thank you so much, choir. Thank you so much, New Hope Band. Wonderful to worship with our choir this morning. Amen? Good morning to you all. Got to lose my jacket. It's much too hot for that. Now, I know that uh, Pastor Joe and I have been harping on prayer a lot lately. I understand that, and I hope that you're not getting tired of hearing about prayer. Um, we will move on to other topics, obviously, but I will admit that God does seem to have us focusing on prayer lately, just a season that he wants to cause us to refocus on prayer. Um, so hopefully you're not getting sick of hearing sermons on prayer. You know, I came across, across a passage of scripture last week or so on prayer that when I read it, I immediately knew that the Lord would have me to look into it further. Uh, we have been having some Fantastic prayer meetings here at New Hope lately. I mean, they have been fantastic, extremely encouraging. I mean, so encouraging for Pastor Joe, for myself, to see brothers and sisters come and seek the Lord. And, you know, I know you can pray on your own. You, you ought to pray on your own. The Bible teaches us we ought to enter into your prayer closet, which is in secret. But there's also something about coming together in prayer, you know, corporately as a body. And, and, and you know, it's just... It's awesome. It doesn't matter what your problem is or what you're going through. It's just like, come on, link up with the family of God, beseech God, and let's see what he does. And, and you know, it's, just, it's encouraging to battle together in prayer. doesn't matter your age. doesn't matter your skin color, male, female. None of that stuff matters when you're battling in prayer. There's just a spirit of unity in it. You know, we, we battle with mental issues. Man, then battle in prayer. There's health issues. Battle in prayer. Relationship issues. Battle in prayer. Demonic forces in your life. Battle in prayer. You know, I don't, I don't blame a single person in here. And I won't point my finger at a single person in here for having problems or for having issues. To have problems, to have issues, is to be human. That's part of the human condition. There's problems. No matter how well you try to live your life, no matter how biblical you try to live, problems will come up. So I don't fault you if there's problems. But I do suggest as a pastor that when those problems come, pray. Pray. Invite the Lord into your situations. Deliver those things to God. Invite God to intervene into your situations. Ask Him to perform His goodwill in your life and all its associated issues that come with it. You know we have a, a wonderful benefit of being a Christian. You know what that is? We are allowed, we are allowed to petition our Heavenly Father. We're allowed to ask Him for things. We're allowed to ask Him to intervene. We're allowed to ask Him for healing. Amen? We're allowed to ask Him for help. We're allowed to ask Him for guidance. We're allowed to ask Him for necessities. We're allowed to ask Him even for blessings. The Bible tells us these things. We're allowed to go to our Father who is good. And He will provide these things for us. You know, this prayer thing has really been on my mind lately. It's just been a theme here at New Hope lately. You ever spent some time thinking about prayer? You know, it's, 
it's somewhat mysterious in a sense, prayer is. Now, I don't mean anything like mystical or weird, you know. I don't mean that. But when I think about prayer and what it is and what it does, there is an element of mystery to prayer. I mean, think about it. How does prayer actually work? What happens when we pray? Can we really change God's mind? He knows everything. If you, you think about prayer, you know, when we pray, we have no information that we can offer God. I can't get down on my knees and, and reveal something to God that he didn't know about. I can't get down on my knees and, and, and be very genuine and, and let God know about something and him say, oh, thank you, son, I didn't know that, I didn't see that. I have no real information that I can offer God that he doesn't already know. I have no insight that I can offer God. I can't advise God. I can't counsel God. So what is this strange thing called prayer? You know, I, I have no alternative outcomes to situations that I can offer God that he hasn't already thought of. I, I, can't, I, I can't reveal anything to God, and I also can't conceal anything from God. What is this thing called prayer then? If, there, if there's no information that I can offer him that he doesn't already know of, then what happens when we pray? What is prayer? You know, I, there, I can make no suggestions to God to things he hasn't already thought of. The book of Romans asks us rhetorical questions. It says, for who hath known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Who has first given to him that it shall be recompensed unto him again? What that's saying is, who has counseled God? You can't offer God any counsel. You can't offer God any resolution for anything. We can't advise him. We can't make suggestions to him for things he doesn't know about. In other words, God is, is not up in heaven saying, hey, here comes Jason. Maybe he can advise us on this situation. Maybe we can get his opinion. Maybe we can get his thoughts on what we ought to do in this situation. What if that is not happening when we pray. Maybe Jason can give us some advice on, I don't know, what to do with the mental health crisis in America. Maybe we can get his input. Maybe we need his two, two cents worth of thoughts. We can't update God on anything that he doesn't already know. The prophet Isaiah says that God knows the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning. Do you understand that God is transcendent of time? He already knows what's going to happen in every single situation all across this globe from now till the end of time. He, listen to me now. God has never, ever been surprised. You ever think about these things? They can mess with your mind a little bit. God has never been caught unaware. God has never been unprepared. Listen to me, things have never not gone according to God's plan. They always go to His plan. Everything's going according to His plan. You say, you mean even the world now, it's getting darker and more sinful? Yes, it is going to bring about God's plan exactly as He has it planned out. God has never said, never once said, He's never uttered the sentence, well, that didn't go according to my plan. He has never said that. He never will say that. Ever. Ever. He already knows if a person is going to get saved or not. You understand it? He already knows. 
He already knows how and when you're going to die. He already knows if you're going to get that job or not. He already knows if you're going to get into an argument with your spouse next week. He already knows if you're going to get a flat tire next month. He already knows if you're going to receive that blessing or not. He already knows if what the test results are going to be for your medical exam. He already knows all this stuff. He knows the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning. If you, you think about it, if you think about prayer long enough and, and what it is, you might, as many have, come to the wrong conclusion. If God already knows everything, everything goes according to His plan, everything goes according to His will, I have no information, you have no information you can offer God, then why pray? Why pray? He's sovereign, isn't He? God can accomplish whatever he wants. He's not dependent on me. Oh, Jason, I need you so bad in order to do the things that I want to do. He's sovereign. He's going to do whatever he wants to do, irregardless of any man, woman, or child on the face of this earth. Then why pray? What is the big deal with praying? What's the real need to pray? Why are you always harping on prayer, Pastor Joe? Things are going to go the way that God wants them to go. Why are you always admonishing us to pray? You know, many people have erroneously come to this conclusion. Then we don't need to pray. Just let God handle it all. Never mind. I'm just going to go about my business and hope for the best. We'll let God take care of everything. I have heard people say that. People have said that. Many people believe that. Many Christians believe that. There's, there's no real need to play, pray. God is sovereign. He's going to have his way. His will be done. I'm out. That is erroneous. They're erroneous for several reasons. I want to give you two quick reasons of, of why we ought to pray. Two quick ones, then we're going to move on to something else. We should pray, number one, we should pray because we're commanded to pray. We are commanded to, in Scripture, to pray. You know, I've, I've been in the book of Luke. I've been kind of going through the Gospels lately. And I've been in the book of Luke for a while. And I recently came across this. It's Luke chapter 18, verse 1. This is the words of Jesus. You know how many times he spoke in parables so that we could understand the Gospel. He says this, and it, Jesus says, And he spoke a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Now, we'll quit reading there, but that's the parable of the unjust judge, which we're not going to go through all that, but it's in the context of it is that it teaches us to pray. The context of Jesus' parable is for us to not get weary in prayer. If you're praying about something and you don't see any results, Jesus is, uh, is admonishing us to continue to pray. Don't get weary and pray. You ought always to pray and not faint. So we're commanded to pray in the Scriptures. To be the Apostle Paul in Thessalonians. He actually commands or admonishes us to pray without ceasing. To, to continually be in a constant spirit of prayer. You know, that's, that's difficult. I know that many things demand our attention. Our, our jobs, our families and, and things, so on and so forth. But the Apostle Paul says, just pray without ceasing. 
When you're going about your business, just let that spirit be over you. Let it cover you. Whisper a few worship songs through your day. Pray a little bit through your day. Whisper a prayer here. Whisper a prayer there. Pray without ceasing. We're commanded to pray. A second reason that we should pray is because Jesus is our example. Amen? What does the word Christian mean? Christ-like, right? Jesus is our example. Jesus is the standard. He is the standard of moral perfection. We are many imitators of the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, I told you a moment ago, I've been going over the Gospels kind of slowly for these past couple of months, and I notice something as I go through the Gospels. Jesus prays an awful lot. Jesus prays a whole bunch. There are a whole lot of scriptures in the Gospels that says, and Jesus went away to pray. And Jesus went to the wilderness to pray. A whole bunch of scriptures to where Jesus prays, and he's our example. We ought to imitate Jesus, and we ought to pray like he prayed. Read through the Gospels. I challenge you, read through the Gospels, and keep an eye on how many times Jesus prays. It's a lot. At one point, Jesus goes to the wilderness to fast and pray for 40 days and 40 nights. That's a prayer life. He prayed for people. He prays with his disciples. He prays early in the morning by himself. He prays for strength to get through the cross. He prayed for God's will to be done in the Garden of Gethsemane. He prayed over all these things in his life. He was covered in prayer. He had a strong prayer life. And he is our example. So that's another reason why we ought to pray. He's our example. He prayed a lot, therefore we ought to pray a lot. Not only because he commanded us to, but because he did also. And we ought to be like him. Now, there are more reasons than just those two that we should pray. A lot more reasons than just those two that we ought to pray. But if you think about it, those two reasons, you know, because we're commanded to pray, and Jesus, our example, prayed a lot, so therefore we ought to pray. Those two reasons don't really help us to understand what prayer is, do they? Just kind of tells us to, to do it. You should pray and, and to be like Christ. But they don't help us to understand what prayer is or how it works. If you remember moments ago, I said that prayer does have this strange element of mystery to it. I mean, what does prayer do? How does prayer work? What does prayer accomplish? Brothers and sisters, these are actually very tough questions. They're not very easy to answer. How does prayer work? What does it do? But you know what I believe? I believe that the Bible offers us answers. I, I believe that this morning we can gain a greater understanding of how prayer works and what prayer does. And I think that ought to help us as a body this morning. We can get a glimpse. Listen to me now. We can get a glimpse of the mysterious power of prayer in the book of Daniel chapter 10. Daniel chapter 10 gives us this strange little glimpse into what happens in the spiritual world when we set our minds on prayer. How many of you know, listen to me now, how many of you know that there is an unseen spiritual world and that it, 
according to the Bible, is eternal, whereas the things we see are temporal. The, the physical world that we all see and we know and we live in and, and we can touch and taste and smell, the Bible teaches us that that is temporary. And the world that is unseen, the spirit world, that's the eternal one. As we get to Daniel chapter 10, this is some cool scripture, okay, for lack of a better term. This is some cool scripture. I love this stuff. You remember Daniel. Daniel was actually captured by the Babylonians when they sacked Jerusalem, destroyed the temple. He was carried off back to Babylon during the destruction of Solomon's temple. Later in history, the Babylonians were defeated by the great Persian Empire. And they, the Persians have a king named King Cyrus. Okay? So now we know briefly where we're at in history. When we come upon Daniel chapter 10, verse 1. Now as we go through this, remember, we should pray because we're commanded to. And we pray because Jesus is our example. Now Daniel chapter 10 is going to teach us and give us a glimpse into how prayer works and what happens behind the scenes so we can come to a greater understanding of the mysterious power that there is in prayer. Okay? So as we go through this, keep that thought in the back of your mind. Here's our King, king Cyrus now. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a thing was revealed unto Daniel, whose name was called Belshazzar. Remember, the, the Babylonians changed Daniel's name. And the thing was true, but the time appointed was long, and Daniel understood the thing and had understanding of the vision. Now, we'll stop there for a minute, but if, if you'll remember, Daniel had this gifting you know, of dreams and dream interpretation. And he saw lots of visions in his life. And, and he could interpret them and he could understand them. He was gifted in that area in his life. You, you're, uh, you can read all about a lot of that in the earlier chapters of Daniel on, on your own time. We don't have time to look at all that. So Daniel has this vision kind of of latter days, of end times. He has this vision, he has this dream, he has this revelation somehow comes to him and he understands it, the Bible says. And, and the time appointed was long, so it wasn't happening just right then. It's long, long out into the future. He sees this vision and he has this understanding. He understands it and, and we're going to see when we read this next verse that this vision that Daniel sees, it weighs very heavily upon Daniel. Whatever this vision was, it's, it's very perplexing. It's, it's very vexing to Daniel. Look at verse 2. It says, In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. That's important. Verse 3 says, I ate no pleasant bread, neither came flesh nor wine in my mouth, neither did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. Now, now, we'll stop there again for a second, but I like to think that maybe Daniel saw something in the future that he saw the, the continual wickedness of mankind. 
Maybe he saw the future state of the church, that pastors would grow cold and, and, and be complacent. and maybe, many, maybe he saw many people would fall away in the latter days. Uh, maybe he saw his own people, the Israelites. Maybe he saw them rejecting their future king in this vision. Whatever it was, it causes him to go into a state of mourning. It, now remember, it says over three full weeks. That's important. We have to remember that three full weeks. Now, when it says he goes into a state of mourning, it does not mean mourning like we know mourning. You know, if someone passes away, then an individual, a spouse or loved one may go into a state of mourning over that individual's passing. Now, now this is a little bit different. Daniel is going into a state of mourning over this vision that he saw that was very vexing and waiting upon him. He saw it, and, and, and it caused him to be exceedingly sorrowful. It, it caused him to be in a state of lament, lamentations. He was lamenting this. He was in prayer. He was fasting. He didn't eat anything. He was praying over this. He was wrestling over this vision that he had. That's what it means when it said he was mourning. And again, it's very important to note that this lasted for three full weeks. Three entire weeks. We know that a week is seven days. It was the same for Daniel because our modern day seven day week calendar is based on the Jews' seven day work week. So a week to Daniel was a week to us. It was seven days. Seven days times three weeks. 21. Amen? So there's our 21 days. Keep that in the back of your mind as we go forward in Scripture. Daniel chapter 10 verse 4 says, And then the fourth and twentieth day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, which is Hittichel, it's the Tigris River. This is in the Iraq, modern day Iraq area. And as we read, stick with me, okay? You, you might be wondering, what, what in the world has this got to do with prayer? I, I don't really see anything being revealed here yet. It will. We have to understand this story. We'll, we'll begin to understand what happens when we pray, when we make it through this text here. Verse 5 says, Then I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose loins were girded with fine gold of euphaz. Verse 6 says, his body also was like the barrel, and his face as the appearing of lightning, and his eyes as lamps of fire, and his arms and his feet like in color to polished brass, and the voice of his words like the voice of a multitude. So, so Daniel, remember, he's in this state of fasting and prayer. He's mourning over this weighty vision that he understood. And it's just over him. And it's hanging over him. And it's going on for three weeks. He's in this lamentable state. And on this particular day, remember, he's by the Tigris River. Somewhere in Iraq. And, and he sees this figure. This, this angelic-like figure. He sees someone. It's not just a regular person. It's, it's an angelic being, or many people believe it to be the pre-incarnate Christ. And they believe that because we're not going to turn there, but if you turn to Revelations chapter 1 and you read John's description of the Lord Jesus, it's extremely similar to Daniel's description of the Lord Jesus. The two are almost the same. Same description, 
So many believe that this is the pre-incarnate Christ. Now you might think, pre-incarnate Christ, that's kind of weird. Why is it weird? Jesus is part of the triune Godhead. He is eternal. Okay, He descended as man just a couple thousand years ago, but Jesus is eternal. Okay, So if he appears here and there in the Old Testament, I'm okay with it. So this may have been, now I, I am unable to say 100% for sure if it was or not. It doesn't call him Jesus. It doesn't say this was Jesus. We just have a description. So many theologians think this may have been the Lord Jesus. If it wasn't, it's an angelic being of some type. An archangel, a cherub, something like that. We don't know. Daniel chapter 10, verse 7. Okay, so you're with me so far. So Daniel sees this vision. Remember, he's gifted in visions and interpretations. And here he is by this Tigris River. This, this being appears to him. And this being is tremendous. Voice of many waters. Looks like polished brass. I mean, whatever he sees, it's quite a sight to behold. Verse 7 says, And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. For the men that were with me saw not the vision, but a great quaking fell upon them, so that they fled to hide themselves. Therefore I was left alone, Daniel says, and saw this great vision, and there remained no strength in me, for my comeliness was turned in me into corruption, and I retained no strength. 9 says, yet heard I the voice of his words. And when I heard the voice of his words, then I was in a deep sleep on my face and my face towards the ground. So upon seeing this pre-incarnate Christ, Daniel falls on his face to the ground. Almost as though he's a dead man. He can't twitch, he can't move. There's a fear that comes over him. You know, that, that kind of makes me believe that he really did see something. Because you understand when we go up to, to see the Lord, there ain't one of us going, high five, you thank you, Lord Jesus. Hey, what's up, buddy? How you doing, man? Good to see you. Good to finally be here with you. It ain't going to be like that. When you see the Lord, you will fall at your face and not even be able to twitch. You won't even be able to shiver for fear. You'll fall at your face upon him because he's so holy, so powerful, so pure. Remember the sermon a few weeks ago? The I am that I am. The existent one. The eternally existent one. So this pre-incarnate Christ appears and Daniel hits the ground. Everybody else takes off running. There's some sort of quaking that goes on. They know something's going on, but they, they flee. Daniel's laying on the ground. He said, everything's gone. I can't do anything but just lay here. And he's in a, a state of fear. He's afraid. He has no strength. He's scared. Laying on his face on the ground before this figure. Now, again, I want to remind you, this has been going on for three full weeks. 21 days. Okay? That's important for us to remember. <clears throat> now, we're going to read forward but this is where things are going to start making sense where we can start understanding prayer why we should pray why prayer is important what happens when we pray and I understand we can't offer this revelation to God 
We can't offer insight to God. We can't offer our opinion to God that is better than his opinion. I understand all that. So keeping all that in mind, does not Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 tell us this? For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. Against spiritual wickedness in high places. The Bible's telling us that the battle is a spiritual one. The battle is a spiritual battle. That's what prayer is. It is a wrestling match in the spiritual realm, brothers and sisters. Now, this next passage in Daniel is, is what is going to give us a glimpse into that spiritual realm. Just a glimpse. We're not going to be able to walk away this morning and say, well, now I know everything there is to know about prayer. No, we can't say that. It's too mysterious. It's too powerful for us. But we can understand a little bit today. Look at verse 10. It says, and behold, a hand touched me, Daniel says, which set me upon my knees and upon the palm of my hands. And he said unto me, oh, Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto thee, and stand upright, for unto thee am I now sent. And when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. Look at verse 12. Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand this and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. Look at verse 13. Look, what, what does this mean? But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief priests, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. Now I am come to make thee understand what shall befall thy people in the latter days, for yet the vision is for many days. Do you see what's happening here, brothers and sisters? Daniel has been fasting and praying and mourning for 21 days, and on that 21st day, that 21st day, let me read that verse 12 and 13 to you in a different version. I'm going to read it to you in a new uh, NASB version. It says, Then he said to me, Do not be afraid, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart on understanding this and on humbling yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia was standing in my way for 21 days. Then behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left there with the kings of Persia. Do you see what must have been taking place unbeknownst to Daniel? All, all Daniel knows is he has this heavy feeling. It causes him to mourn and to fast. And this vision is weighty. He can't see any of this stuff going on. None of this stuff. He feels compelled to fast and to pray over this vision. He had no idea that the forces of good were trying to reach Daniel. But the forces of evil were resisting for 21 days. 21 days the spiritual battle was going on. Daniel had no idea. Didn't see anything. He had a heaviness upon his heart. 
that caused him to keep going. He couldn't see that there was some sort of cosmic battle going on in the spiritual world. He couldn't see it. 21 days it was a battle. The first day, it says, this this pre-incarnate Christ or this angelic being tells Daniel, the very first day you started praying to understand this and to, to set your heart right before God, I set out on a journey to make it to you. But these evil, these evil spirits resisted me. This prince of Persia. Who, who's the prince of Persia? Now, you might think I'm crazy. But I actually believe this. There may be, it's, it's, I honestly believe this. There just may be certain demonic entities that are in charge of particular geographical locations. I believe that. There could be a a wicked demon that is set over Zanesville or that is set over Muskingum County. And maybe they report to an even more powerful demon that is set over Ohio. And an even more important one and high up wickedness that's over our nation. Maybe then they all, in their evil, demonic way, report back to Lucifer himself. You say, how do you know that? How do you know what this prince of Persia is? Well, we done read the answer a minute ago. Ephesians already told us. The battle's not against flesh and blood, but who is it against? Against principalities. What's a principality? It's a territory or a jurisdiction. The Bible tells us That's what your battle's against. Jurisdictions, principalities, uh, against territories, geographical regions that evil forces control. Maybe that's who this prince of Persia is. Maybe this demonic imp was in charge of that Persian empire or that region of Persia. This territory. Whoever this, this prince of Persia is, the, the, the pre-incarnate Christ called for Michael the archangel. He called for some backup because the battle was going back and forth. And he calls for Michael the archangel to come in order to prevail so that he can get to Daniel and give him a revelation. And bolster him and build him up and tell him, rise Daniel, you are much beloved. Rise to your feet. Stand up Daniel. He encourages him. I mean, think about it. What in the world is going on here? I told you this is some cool scripture this morning. This is some far out stuff, isn't it? But I find it very believable. I believe there are evil forces out there. I truly believe in it. I mean, what in the world is going on in this passage of scripture? Is this what happens when we pray? you got to be kidding me. You mean to tell me that there is, is possibly unseen spiritual warfare when I pray? Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. That's exactly what the scripture is saying. You mean to tell me that angels fight against demons when I pray? Yes, yes, that's what happens. Now do you see the mysterious power of prayer? You get a little glimpse from this passage into the spiritual world. We can't completely understand it, but we can come to a greater understanding than what we previously had through this passage. The mysterious power of prayer. Revelations chapter 12 verse 7 says, 
and there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought against his angels. Brothers and sisters, there is spiritual warfare that goes on unbeknownst to us, unseen from our eyes, unseen in the physical world. But remember, what's the Bible teach about the unseen world? It is the eternal one. This one is the temporal one. It's temporary. You know what I'm trying to tell you this morning? What what God is trying to say? Prayer is war. That's what it is. It is what prayer is fighting. It is what you might not see it. You might not be able to glimpse it. But prayer is war. Prayer is a battle. You mean to tell me when I call on God that unseen forces begin to mobilize? Yes, that is what I am saying. You can mobilize the unseen forces of goodness and pit them against the unseen forces of evil. You can't see it. Daniel couldn't see it. Much of a man of God, he couldn't see it. But it was revealed to him, and it can be revealed to us this morning. All Daniel could feel was a a heaviness for the future of God's people. That's all. He couldn't see anything else. He didn't know what was all going on. He didn't know that at that time he's fasting day two, day three, day four, day seven, nine, ten. That this battle is raging. The only thing to him is, something's going on, man. I just ain't feeling right. This ain't sitting well with me. Something's going on in this nation. Something's taking over in this nation. I don't know, there's something is wrong. The world's done gone crazy. That's all that he could feel. That's all we feel this morning, isn't it? Amen? I can't tell you how many times in passing I've heard people, I don't even know if they go to church or not. I'm talking about people out in the world say, man, this world done gone crazy. It has gone crazy. What in the world is going on? Even unsaved people feel it. Let me ask you this. What would have happened, and we can only conjecture, but what would have happened if Daniel would have quit seeking the Lord over this vision after 20 days? The breakthrough came on the 21st day. What if he would have quit at day 10? I mean, it says he didn't eat any food. He didn't eat any good food. Didn't, uh, didn't put nice lotion on him, didn't do anything, none of that stuff. He was just in this state of mourning over this vision that was very heavy on him. And he set his mind to see what was going on, to pray and to seek the Lord until he got a breakthrough. And it came on the 21st day. But what would have happened if he would have quit? Maybe after two weeks. That's a long time to fast and pray. That's a long time to concentrate just on one thing. I mean, us, nowadays, we're too busy for that. We focus on all kinds of different things. We might not have this revelation of Scripture in the Bible to encourage us if he would have quit on the 20th day. We would have a lesser understanding of what prayer is if he would have quit on the 20th day. This passage of Scripture might not be here in the Bible to build us up if he would have quit after the 20th day. Maybe the the prince of Persia, whoever in the world that was, would have said, nope, nope, you ain't going to make it to Daniel. Because he quit praying. Look, he stopped. He quit. Maybe those evil forces would have been able to resist the good. 
Here's the thing. How many of us in here today feel the same heaviness that Daniel felt? Now, maybe, you know, I'm not saying you had a vision or, or a dream or and it needs interpreted. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying we all feel it, don't we? Every last person in here feels the, the heaviness. What is going on with our nation? What in the world? Remember, times back I've referred to it as clown world. It's like it's become clown world. Up is down. Down is up. Left is right. Right is left. Black is white. White is black. Good is bad. Bad is good. It's like reversal world. We all see it. How many of us feel that same heaviness over our nation? Feel that same heaviness over our communities? Even over our own personal situations, we feel heaviness over them. Marital issues, family issues, financial issues. I know, I know that many of us in here feel that weight of, of sinfulness. You feel it vexing you. In this world today, you feel the weight of sinfulness. It's it's in our education system. It's permeated all through our government. It's permeated all through the media. It's permeated all through Hollywood. It's permeated. Look at this drug epidemic in our land. Look at the opioid crisis, mental health crisis, abortion, broken families, drunkenness, postmodernism. You feel it, don't you? Your family, your marriage, your kids finances, your own personal moral struggles. We feel the heaviness. God is calling His people to pray until the breakthrough comes. Don't quit on the 20th day. God is calling His people to be faithful in prayer. God is calling His people to be obedient in prayer. Don't quit. God is calling his people to a state of mourning like Daniel. Now I'm not telling everyone to go away moping and being sad. I'm not saying that. That's not what it means. I mean be in a state of mourning where you're battling spiritually over your family, over the nation, over your neighborhood. Battle over it. I don't understand everything about how prayer works. I don't. It's a deep theological subject and I don't think that we can know exactly how prayer works. But here's what we do know. When you pray, something happens. We can rest on that this morning. Daniel chapter 10 teaches us when you pray, stuff happens. Something happens on a level that you may never see or know. Stuff happens. You might not see it. You might not know it. You might not be able to prove it. You might not be able to touch it. Might just be a feeling of heaviness that you have that compels you to keep battling, but something happens. You got to keep battling. Keep battling, brothers and sisters. Keep battling until the breakthrough comes. It took 21 days of fasting and prayer and mourning for Daniel, for the victory to reach Daniel. Some of you might be so close, so you can't quit. You can't quit for your families, for your neighborhoods. You can't quit. It might just be tomorrow. It might be next week. It's on the way, but the evil forces are resisting your prayers. you got to prevail in prayer. you got to battle until something happens. You, know, you realize this. You might be praying for someone to get saved 
and angels are wrestling with demons over that soul. Do you realize that? But we can't see it. We can't see it. We just see the person. How you doing today? I'm doing good. Feeling okay? Yeah. Doing all right? Yeah. How's your wife doing? Good. How's your job? Everything's good. Doing good. You can't see the chains of bondage that the devils are trying to put on that individual to keep that soul locked down. You can't see it. I can't see it. We can't see it. You might be praying over a victory of, of a stronghold in your life and demonic forces are holding on for deal life, refusing to let go. You say, man, come on, how do you know all that stuff happens? Jude, verse 9, says this. Yet Michael, the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke thee. That's how I know that this unseen spiritual battle occurs. Because it's a theme all throughout the Bible. The Bible talks about it. That there are evil forces that battle against good forces. Michael the archangel is fighting against the devil over Moses. There are unseen battles when we pray, brothers and sisters. If I could have the band make their way back. Now, we, we look so often with our physical eyes. We do. How many people walk among us seemingly fine? No problems. Fine on the outside. But loaded down with evil chains and wicked strongholds of darkness. Brothers and sisters, God is calling us to pray. He's calling us to pray. You, you know, when, when we have our prayer meeting on Wednesday, this, this passage of scripture makes so much sense to me. Makes so much sense. It's almost like you get a tiny little taste of it when people are crying out to God. You get a tiny little glimpse into the spiritual world when people are crying out to God. Uh, brothers and sisters, I encourage you to pray. War in prayer. Men, pray with your wives. Ladies, grab your girlfriends. Guys, grab your buddies. Fathers, get your families. Mothers, grab those babies. Pray with them. Pray over them. Pray. Find an accountability partner. Pray, pray, pray. James tells us this. Confess our faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Do you know what that phrase, the effectual, fervent prayer means in the Greek? It means energizing. When you pray, and when you do it in earnest, and when you do it genuinely, it will energize you. It will energize your walk in God, in your faith in Jesus Christ. It will build you up. It will bolster you. It will strengthen you. That's what prayer does. So much happens in this unseen realm, unbeknownst to our physical eyes. Amen. Let's stand to our feet this morning. We're going to worship God. These altars are open. Come and pray. You want me to come pray with you? Flag me down. I'll come pray with you. If you want other people to gather around you, come down here. Let me know. We'll anoint you with oil. We'll pray. These altars are open. Hallelujah.